We've been following the special session all week for you, keeping you up to speed, and we would be remiss if we did not continue to do it today with landmark legislation passing the House and the Senate last night. Again, I have with me uh, Pat Davis, city councilor. Pat was also the chairman of Governor uh, Michelle God, I can't even think here. Michelle Lujan Grisham. The new governor, thank not you. the old one. Yeah, but I, God, Pat, sometimes just take a brick, brick <laughs> to my head. You were last night, I bet. Yeah, for a couple of nights, actually. But anyway, so Pat Davis, task force, he ran the task force for adult use cannabis for the governor. Uh, he is also, Pat, tell me the name. It's The Paper, right? That's just, it's just The Paper. That's it. It's just The Paper, abq.news. Yeah. And you're the editor. Is is that right? I, Publisher, editor, chief cook and bottle washer, all of those things. <laughs> the new alibi. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. And so um, pick up a copy today. So, Pat, give us the rundown. Um, we talked yesterday, and look, you know, and nobody wanted to say that this was a done deal. Um, there was still a lot of maneuvering, but uh, ultimately this, uh, it happened. Well, and, and, you know, I'll be the first to say I was wrong on your show yesterday. I said they would hold it over, do it this morning, but legislators wanted to get it done yesterday. But, uh, but you know, whether you whether you support it or not, you got to look at the politics of it and say um, everyone said this was going to happen. The time just ran out, and the governor didn't call the special session until she had the votes to get it done. And what you saw was both bills moved through both chambers, uh, you know, without any major changes and i think that yeah. shows that they knew they had this they knew they had the process to do it and uh, and they knew they could get it done yeah and that's what we were hearing uh we were hearing a lot of the governor made that comment uh right after the the session ended that the framework was there kind of signaling that you, you you came really close to crossing the finish line uh but it just it just wasn't there so it pretty much what was known as house bill 2 was pretty much House Bill 12. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it was 98% House Bill 12. A couple of small changes uh, for amendments that were going to get introduced anyway if, if the clock hadn't run out. Um, but, yeah, I think you saw it. I mean, they New Mexicans, 77%, and then some want this to happen. Uh, legislators heard that. They got more calls about this than any other piece of legislation this year. If you talk to some of our legislators, they knew they had to finish this job. Um, and because of all the work that's been put in, not just from our task force, but for six, eight years now that legislation has been put forward, like we didn't start this from scratch. Everybody knew what this was going to look like. Uh, and you know, I think the good news is we're in place. Like our, our nonprofit producers have said they can, uh, start getting ready. If we'll give them a shot, we've got opportunities to create, uh, micro businesses, hundreds of new producers, hundreds of people that own land that can can lease this to people there's a lot of people that can get in this business and new mexico needs some jobs right now like this can happen in the next 90 days we're going to start seeing people applying for licenses and and that's a big deal yeah that that is exciting and and, you know obviously uh everyone on the show knows that uh that that i'm a a co-owner of a medical cannabis company but i think the micro businesses i i I really think that's a great opportunity um and i think you're going to see them do well in, in places like you said, like Albuquerque, but also in some of the rural areas uh, where they can set up shop and, and do a, basically a one-stop shop. 100%. And like you said, our medical producers have kind of have cornered on the market in the big metro areas. 
in terms of the number of shops. There are going to be some folks that, that create some really specialty products that are going to be boutique and high-end that will do really well downtown and in Knob Hill. Uh, but for the for rural New Mexico, it's going to be important. And you know this, Darren, that the bigger piece is going to be for uh, even if you don't want to get involved, even if you never intend to consume cannabis, you have to think about all the new companies that are going to be hiring electricians that are going to be high, yep. uh, leasing out land, that are going to be doing agriculture work, realtors that are suddenly going to start uh, listing commercial properties. Uh, there's just a lot of activity around this, very little of which uh, involves actual people at the counter buying that final product. This is an economic boost for a lot of New Mexico that really has gotten left behind in the last few big changes to our economy. Yeah, and I think it's also incumbent upon us, those who have been in the industry, uh, to help those guys out who uh, may want to do a micro business uh, and have questions and, and kind of mentor. And we, and we, and we kind of gave our word that we would do that because I think that's important as well. Well, absolutely, and, and we've heard that from producers. We heard that during the session. But, you know, I, 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 I'm, my name's been attached to this for a little while thanks to the governor's um, trust in what we were trying to do. And, but I've had a number of folks reach out today saying, okay, how do I apply? What do I need to understand? And I think folks are going to have more and more of that work. But even for people who think this is the wrong idea, there's an opportunity for them to participate. Like they've got a, you know, there's going to be a citizens advisory commission that's going to advise us on how to do this. Um, we have to be careful how we do it. We have to get the rules right. We can't rush. Mm-hmm. But all that work we've done for all these years has told us that we can do this and do it well. So we, yeah. it's coming. So the question is no longer are we. The question is we are. So how do we make this work for everybody? Pat, one of the things I do want to bring up, as I said, you were the chairman of the task force that was put together uh, last year. And the, the interesting thing, uh, when you came out with that report, uh, it's very similar to the legislation that we're seeing right now. Yeah, and uh, we based it on years of work by other legislators, Javier Martinez, uh, uh, Jerry Ortiz Pino in the Senate, had had different versions of it. But we, we looked at 13 other states and how they had legalized, what they had done well, what they hadn't. We spent a lot of time talking to – I went to Denver and met with law enforcement in Colorado about how they would, re- how they would write a bill – uh, to take care of some of their interests. And so we tried to build what we thought was the right roadmap for legalization. And a big chunk of that was helping people get new jobs and also uh, dealing with some of the criminal justice in, uh, inequities that had existed for years because of the war on drugs. Yeah, and that leads me to the next point, that a big part of this, um, there, was a, there was a lot of uh, requests uh, for the bills to be separated, not to include the social social justice issues um, uh, in the actual uh, the the I would say the nuts and bolts of legalization, uh, and that's exactly what happened. Talk about the expungement bill and what it does. Yeah, the expungement bill is really simple. What it says is starting the you know as we start to sell legal cannabis, cannabis is no longer going to be illegal. And so if you have an old conviction for something that's no longer illegal, we're going to wipe wipe that off your record. And the law is is uh, is really smart in that it says the state has to figure out how to do that automatically. So if your kid, maybe you, has an old marijuana conviction from college, at some point uh, fairly soon, the state is going to wipe that off your record. And when you go apply for a job or a college loan, you don't have to declare that anymore because it's like it never happened. Um, It's pretty simple, but it just means that we're evolving the way we're thinking about this, and we're not going to treat people now differently um, than we did old folks. We're going to 
take care of those problems, get them off their records. Um, we don't think there's anybody in jail or prisons right now in New Mexico um, for cannabis possession, but it would also say that if that's their only charge, we're going to figure out how to fix that. Yeah, because there's a provision in the bill that says um, if, in fact, you are in jail on a simple possession charge, uh, you're to be released. That's right. Uh, you know, but remember that marijuana has kind of been in this weird uh, legal zone in New Mexico for a few years because we decriminalized yeah. it, Lized meaning it. possession is possessing it over the last couple of years hasn't been a crime. Now, you might get a $25 ticket in Albuquerque or a $50 ticket in Las Cruces, but you can't go to jail for it. So most of those things have solved themselves. But what this really means is that folks that have those old convictions uh, will have them wiped off their record. And for anybody who has kids in college or thinking about it, remember that you can't get a federal student loan if you have a, a ticket for possessing marijuana uh, as a crime. And so small things like access to loans, access to, to bank loans, for example, for a startup business, all that's on the table. Um, and we'll hopefully open up those opportunities for people when we get rid of those old records, some of them 20, 30, 40 years old, um, yeah. that still follow people. Yeah. And, and uh, again, speaking to the fact that, uh, you know, you you being form, former law enforcement, for, ugh, you too. it's a tough day to talk. You being former law enforcement, me being former law enforcement, uh, I, it, it, it just was the right thing to do. If you're moving forward and saying, look, this is no longer a crime, and, and it shouldn't have been a crime. But you know what? We, you know, we can't change what happened uh, you know, 20 years ago, but we sure can at least clean the slate from 20 years ago. Oh, 100%. And, you know, you and I know I, like, I spent a lot of time as a, as a brand-new rookie officer um, arresting people for stuff that I wouldn't do today. And a little bit of what the work I'm doing now is penance and trying to rebuild that. But think about how much, I mean, you know, it takes three or four hours to arrest somebody, even for something simple, right? And so you mm -hmm. think about all the time we used to, there were 2,000 arrests for cannabis, arrests or citations for cannabis, just in Bernalillo County alone in 2018 before it was decriminalized. Think, you multiply that by the number of hours it took and the number of officers we have, that's a lot of extra cops to work in your neighborhood on real stuff that has nothing to do with this. Um, and cops will tell you, and you know this and you've talked about it, our cops, our sheriffs all said um, that they don't need to waste their time on these petty possession offenses. They are and still will, and it is still illegal. If you're involved in cartel-level drug trafficking, we keep, those, we keep those laws in the books and we're going after you, and it allows us to focus on those folks and not the, not the folks smoking at home on their couch watching Netflix. Yeah. And so last, uh, Pat, we talked about the rulemaking process, that there is the legislation now provides a, a framework, but the real work is going to be done in the next coming months as the rulemaking process will define exactly how the program is administered. That's right. You know, I, I spent some time this week and we heard from them at the legislature talking to the, the folks at the regulation and licensing division that will manage this. They're already working on the rules for how this works. So we're, we expect to see this, this ramp up pretty quickly. For people yeah. that want to get in the business and are ready to get started, they can start applying as early, uh, you know, no later than September 1st. It sounds like those licenses will be open a lot earlier than that, perhaps. Um, but we've got a whole year to get this right, and uh, and we've got the legislature coming back just in time next year to clean up anything that we might have missed. We have a good plan and a good process, but we got to stop fighting about it and start working on it. Yeah, and the thing also that was made very clear, this just because it passed and the governor will sign this, 
It does not mean this is the last time we'll be addressing uh, adult-use cannabis in New Mexico. Oh, no. They passed this last night. I had a conversation <laughs> with uh, one of our Senate leadership this morning who already had a list of things that they wanted to visit during the interim legislative <laughs> sessions this summer. And so, you know, I think you're, this is – the legislature just spent a whole session trying to fix our alcohol laws. And I finally yep. got it to a place where they like them. I think we're going to replace that with cannabis. Um but it should be for a business this big and an industry this big for opportunities this big. It ought to be on everybody's agenda every time we have a legislative meeting for a little while. And I think it will. Yeah. Pat, appreciate you, man. I, uh, I really do. I know you're very busy and carving out a little time uh, this week to spend with us and try to inform people on exactly what was taking place. Um, it was really important. It's important to the listeners. Again, not everybody agrees with it uh, on, on, that listens to this station. Uh, but, but as I said, it, it, this isn't something, it wasn't a mushroom patch. It didn't spring up overnight. This is years of work. Uh, and, and it truly is landmark legislation that passed last night. It is. And the front page of the journal today tells you that you're right. Not everybody who listens to this station or a lot of others that I talked to today will agree with us. But the fact is the world's moving in this direction and it was much better that we figured out a system and got everybody involved in this process than making it up on the fly. We're going to have a good program, um, but it only works if people are willing to make it work. So, you know, help us do this and do it well. And I'd like to have you back, Pat, as those rules come out. I'd like to have, because I think that's going to be a question for people. How do I get involved in this industry if I'd like to? And I'd love to have you back on so we can talk about that as the rules start moving forward. We'll do it, and I'll take space for some free advertising on KKOB and say next week in the paper at abq.news and on newsstands around the metro, we're going to do a whole guide to how you can get involved if you're interested, from opening your own shop to getting a license to work behind the counter. Um, So be sure to pick that up next week at the paper. Perfect. We'll have you on to talk about it. Thanks, Pat. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yep, Pat Davis, uh, city councilor. Uh, he was the chairman of the governor's task force that put a lot of this stuff together, um, you know, brought all these industry experts together, advocate, advocates, uh, activists. And so uh, I'm grateful for him spending some time this week with us. If I did not mention, this is a very, very important day. I think it should be a national holiday. It is the opening day of Major League Baseball. And I'm not going to lie, the Yankees are on my computer screen right now. Go Yankees. Let's get to the calls. Leonard, you're on News Radio KKOB. Welcome to the show, Leonard. Well, since you brought up the Yankees, go ahead and watch the Detroit Tiger snowball that's taking place right now. Oh, is it on ESPN? Yeah, but it's a complete whiteout from the snow that started after the game. (laughs) Miguel Cabrera hits a home run, can't see the field of the ball, and thinks he hits a double and slides into second off the home run. Yeah, it's the it's one the thing. Blizzard, it's the worst blizzard for opening day you will ever see. Yeah, and I got to tell you, Leonard, just real on a sidebar to this, is that, um, you know, I, I came out west to play baseball originally after high school, but growing up in New York State, you know, we'd start playing in April, and I'm telling you, man, there were times when you'd take the field and it was 30 degrees and snowing, and it just was yeah. not fun. No, it wasn't. This was hilarious to watch. Yeah, but so what's I'm, cooking? Um, my, Met, my Mets are canceled tonight because of COVID for the Washington Nationals. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Game. Oh, I did not know they yeah, got canceled. Washington okay. Nationals had an outbreak of five players uh, uh, yesterday, so they canceled the Mets game for tonight. Okay, cool. What's but cooking? the Mets don't have an outbreak there, so let's go with, I'm happy the bill passed. 
but I wish it would be 18% tax out the gate instead of a rolling starting with 12, working to 18. Okay. Only because right. we're going to get to 18 either way. Just tax at 18 because at the end of the day, it's money that's going back into the state that the state's going to hopefully use on their people. Yeah. And, and, now, and if I the think... jobs are going to be good, I'm sorry, go ahead. I think, you know, Leonard, and having watched quite a bit of it, I think it had it was really just compromise stuff that some people wanted it higher, some people wanted it lower. And so they just did this tiered from, you know, 12 to 20 percent over the next five years uh, as a means to compromise and get a little bit of both for everybody. Okay, but let's look at this. What's the tax on a pack of cigarettes for the state percent? A lot. Okay, and, and what's tax on a, a gallon of gasoline for the state? I don't know, but a lot. Okay, so why can't it be the same for marijuana? <laughs> I mean, it's just another revenue stream. It's going to be. Even at 12%, though. Well, but, you, but, but, Leonard, even at 12%, when you add the 8% gross receipts tax, you're at 20%. That's true. But I, I'm greedy. I want to see more. <laughs> but, okay. Okay. But I'm glad, I'm glad it passed. You know, it should have been passed years ago. Because it reminds me of the story of the Girl Scout in Colorado the year it was passed, and she sold out all of her Girl Scout cookies outside a medical dispensary. Oh, I remember and the that. Girl yeah. Scout, and then the Girl Scout stepped in and said, no, you can't do that anymore. Yeah. And, and look at so, where we are. You know, there are so many changes, as Pat Davis was saying. You know, look, you know, this was something that, you know, the public perception changed very quickly. Uh, Ten years ago... That, you know, yeah, you wouldn't have seen these types of polls saying 60 to 70 percent of the people support it. But I can't get it because I have a, uh, a class, I have a concealed carry. So That's because right. of that, I have to decide, do I give up my concealed carry or do I get marijuana? So I decide to keep with marijuana and let the, uh, my medical provider provide me with other types of pain medication. Mm-hmm. So I can yeah. hold on to my weapons. Yep. Yeah, I know. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's a and tough. It's also, a, what is the level of THC allowed in your system before the state will consider it a DUI? And that, and Leonard, that is the one question. And I appreciate the call very much, man. I do. Listen, that's the one issue that um, you know no state has been able to get their hands around. Is that what uh, we all know that cannabis can stay in your system, you know, for a week or two. But that doesn't mean that you're impaired uh, if it's in your system. And that's why it has to be some type of metric that is fair. Uh, you know, obviously, it's, it, it, you know, when you say to somebody, oh, you have cannabis in your system, well, that person also has to be impaired as well. Uh, and, and so, Leonard, you're absolutely right. It's a tough one. I know Representative Bill Ream. Uh, this is something that he's been uh, fighting for. Uh, uh, but the problem is that the science just isn't there yet. Uh, to back that up. Uh, and as I said, it is a fairness issue. You can't just pull someone over uh, and, and because they have some level of cannabis in their system, it does not mean they're impaired. And so, you know, to ask me how much THC can be in a person's system, you know, we all know with alcohol, it's clear there's a presumptive level, that presumptive level being 0.08. And the way the law reads is that if you have Alcohol in your system that registers at .08, you are presumed to be intoxicated. And, um, you know, we all know it was point, uh, it was .10, it used to be uh, .10, but now it's .08. Uh, 
Uh, but that is not how cannabis is. And they have not been able to do that. And there's not really a way. I know there's some states, and there was talk about this as well yesterday. There was some talk about trying to come up with an instant test. Uh, because, again, also, I, look, I mean, I don't need uh, taking blood from somebody. Uh, I mean, unless it's a serious accident, and I totally get that. But, you know, we can't, we can't be taking blood from people simply because you pull them over and you go, hey, you know, I, I, have you been... Did you smoke some weed? Well, you know, let me get a syringe and draw blood from your arm. So uh, we got, there's work to do on that. But also remember this. People said, oh, you can't do it. You can't do it. There's no way. There's no, there is a system in place. They're called drug rec- recognition experts. And they are currently stopping people who they believe to be impaired by marijuana, cocaine, methamphetamine, heroin. Uh, and so... Uh, this takes place. It's not something new, and they'll continue to do it. Hank, you're on News Radio. KKOB, welcome, Hank. Hey, Darren. Thanks for taking the call. Yeah. Um, yeah, a couple things real quick. I, uh, I'm ex-military uh, and ex-law enforcement myself, and I, uh, 82nd, by the way. Uh, there you go. And I, did, um, I think that the uh, expunging the record, I, you know, if, if, if you know as well as I do that if you're trying to get in the military, you're trying to buy a weapon, that stuff's not expunged, I don't think, not ultimately. You know, it may be for a traffic violation or something like that. But anyway, not only that, but I'm from Colorado. I spent 36 years there, just came to New Mexico a couple years ago, and the quality of life definitely has suffered for the people in Colorado as far as I was in Aurora, Colorado, and it was just, I mean... You'd be surprised at the, at the people that, that once uh, marijuana is legalized, they come out of the woodworks. You know, it's cra- Trinidad, Colorado, Glenwood Springs. I went to Glenwood Springs a couple years ago. I went to a restaurant, one of the nicest restaurants in town. And I'm going to be honest with you, I, I was, I'm glad I had my CCW and was carrying because that's how crazy it was there in the restaurant. Just be, and I don't know if it was because of legalized marijuana, but for a mountain resort town, it, those type of people don't live there normally. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I've been there many times over the years, and I've never seen that type of you know clientele in that in that in those type of towns. You but know? don't so you I think? think it, but but I don't, don't think you think? Hank, yeah, but Hank, don't you think also that had a lot to do with uh, you know the law went into effect in 2014. Um, and it was one of the only big states. And don't you think it was more of a product uh, that it was so unique in the novelty of it that they look at, they had, um, there's no question, they had a lot of tourism that was uh, revolved around cannabis use. Yes. You're, no, I agree. I agree. But, I mean, you can still, I mean, those, you know, it hasn't, the fact hasn't changed that it's the same thing going on down there. And another thing is, is where's the oversight? I mean, it's, who's going mean, to – look, I grew up in the 70s, just so you know, okay? I, I ain't got yeah. – if you want to smoke some weed, that's fine. I, I'm not no anti-weed person, but I didn't vote for the legalizing in Colorado. I voted against it, so okay. just so you know. And then uh, – but, you know, what's the oversight going to be? I mean, you pay cash. You know, you can't write a check. You can't use a credit card. Who is going – Who you know, who's who's checking the checkers? You know, I mean, who's going to come in there and, and weigh it out every day and, and see what, you know, what's missing and what's not missing? And was any, has any of that been discussed as far as, you know, oversight of, you know, who's going to run the show? All right. Well, let me say this to you, Hank, and I appreciate the call. Fair, fair question. 
Uh, I can't speak because the rules have not been promulgated yet. But I will say, uh, being in the medical cannabis business, uh, the Department of Health and the medical cannabis program uh, are, uh, there are regulators, right? And they do, I'm going to tell you something, if anybody thinks that New Mexico is not regulated, they're, very, they're mistaken. Everything that we do in our business, from the, the start, the sale, uh, the seed to the sale, as we like to say, is regulated. It is monitored. And the state of New Mexico, the, the, the medical cannabis program, can um, monitor everything that we do. There is very aggressive and robust testing of all of the product, as there should be. Uh, again, this is medicine. Now, my, my take on it, you might say, well, wait a second. Will the medical cannabis program testing be different from uh, adult-use cannabis? I don't think so. I think that the, the, the protocols that are put in place, and I will tell you, they are some of the toughest in the country. I think they're probably going to stay in place. But uh, as far as the oversight and the monitoring, I will tell you from the being, uh, in the being regulated by them, I don't think anybody would say to you that it is lax. Now, I'm not saying that they're, they're unreasonable and these are hard people to work with, but I can assure you uh, that every single aspect of the medical cannabis program uh, has oversight, every single thing that we do. And it should be that way because our goal Again, we're supporters of the medical cannabis program. The state, they're supporters of the medical cannabis program. And so in order to ensure the integrity of the program, you have to have that oversight. And I will tell you, I think everybody will agree, if this program is to succeed, the recreational, uh, the adult use, it's going to have to have the same thing. You know, we, we said there was a lot of things, uh, a, a lot. We talked about Colorado. Absolutely. A lot of lessons learned. This bill that was crafted had a lot of input and a lot of input from people that were involved in that industry in some of those states that made mistakes. Uh, and so, Hank, don't disagree with you. I think Colorado, I know I, I, I was there as well um, doing research and stuff. And, and yeah, it, they're, they're, you know, it, it, it was different. It was. But it, it's also, I think it's lost a little bit of that because there are now so many states that have a recreational cannabis program. Uh, we are 17 now, I believe. We were the 17th state. Uh, and so it's just, and uh, with medical, it's, it's almost 40. So it's opening day for baseball. And I get to watch my Yankees play, and I'm super excited. It's on right now. For those of you keeping score like me, it's 2-2 in the top of the ninth. Let's go, Yankees. Let's get back to the calls. Ryan, you're on News Radio KKLB. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Hey, Sheriff, thanks for taking my call. I'm also watching the Yankees. I didn't realize Luke Voigt was out for a few weeks. I'm a little sad about that. He was a home didn't run leader either. last year. All right, there we go. Uh, we're still going to be good. We're still going to be good. Oh, Positive thoughts. Great. Oh, they're going to be great. Um, so, look, big day. I've been waiting for this day since I was in college. I've been working for this. You know, I was for, for normal drug policy allowance since I was in college. Oh, okay. Pretty happy about yeah. Um, so I can talk, I could talk at length about this, but I'm going to talk about one specific thing. And I'm glad that one guy called up and mentioned Trinidad, Colorado, because uh -huh. you hear that a lot. People who aren't used to going through Trinidad and they go through another, what was all these dispensaries? What time they'd spent in Trinidad before the dispensaries went in, but I had, and let <laughs> okay. me tell you what, it was a scary dying little backwater town. I can remember in 2009 getting a nail in my tire, having to spend the night there. 
and going, well, I'm going to go sample the nightlife, wandering over to the only bar that was open in Trinidad in 2009. That's how much of a dying town it was. Going in there, recognizing people without jobs, drunk, high on crank, scary stuff. Go through mm-hmm. Trinidad now. There's, I think there's maybe five dispensaries, three medical, maybe two recreational. Okay. There are little brew, little brew pubs, little sandwich shops. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, they revitalize the downtown. There's a bunch of little like pubs and bars and all kinds of stuff open. Sure. It, it changed the town. And, and you know what? It's not a dying little indi- you know, industry town anymore. There's yeah. a part of uh, Denver that we go hang out at. Every Labor Day, we go see a concert up at uh, the soccer stadium, right, in Commerce right. City. Before they legalized it in Commerce City, Commerce City looked a little bit like Southeast Albuquerque. Nothing but strip malls closed down, payday loan places, just just, yeah. just a slum. And now yeah. you go up there, and again, they had a few dispensaries open, but here come now, here come the pubs, and then here come you know the, the little restaurants. And then now here sure. comes chain restaurants. You think they would have put a Buffalo Wild Wings in Commerce City in, you know, like 2009? No, they were going to let it rot. But you put the dispensaries in there, and it's changed the economy of a place like Commerce City, which used to just be the industrial part of town. So like I said, I could talk at length, but we want to talk about what it's done to places like that, what I hope it does to Southeast Albuquerque. Oh, what a day, man. Oh, what a day. Well, let me say this, Ryan. is going to be opening day. Let me tell you, <laughs> I didn't think yeah. it nice, very nice. Listen, I will <laughs> tell you, when we started, uh, it was, we started working on it um, about six years ago, I guess now, seven years ago. Yeah. And I would call and talk to people that had uh, businesses that were leasing those storefronts. And that, that phone call would last eh, about a minute. When I would tell them what it was for, no way, no how. Sorry. And yeah. Look, I get it. So, no, that, that's, that's whether they, they can do that if they wish. Uh, we were fortunate. We were able to find a couple of places that said yes. Uh, but, I mean, you can't imagine how many people said no. But I will tell you this, Ryan. I get realtors, commercial real estate folks. I bet that you do. Dr- I bet they you drop do. their uh, little pamphlets off now they are constantly bringing us businesses that they're leasing and asking us to consider them because they know that this is a growing business and it is going to be a a new part of the economy and so they they decided a couple of years ago we can either get on board or uh or not survive and they've seen the data at first they think oh my god you're going to open up here it's going to be nothing but junkies outside right because that's what you guys are you guys are junkies but yeah. then they see the data, and they see you guys are model tenants. They see you guys take your security more seriously than, you know, a, oh my gold, God, yes. a gold pawn shop, right? Yeah. So then they go, yeah. my God, these guys aren't a problem tenant. They're a landmark tenant. They're a cornerstone tenant. Yeah. They do nothing but take their business seriously. And we pay our bills. <laughs> so, you know, they right. can say all that stuff, but it's like, uh, and especially in a time uh, that, that many of these uh, these folks have experienced over the last year, that's for sure. But, no, it's changed. It really has. Uh, as I said, th- that's not to say that every business would open their doors uh, to cannabis. But I will tell you, it's not, um, you know, it, it, it is just like any other industry. And, and if we are to be responsible corporate citizens, well, then why the hell? We're, we're policing our own, man. We're taking care of ourselves. Uh, I'm, I'm- 
absolutely. Like I said, and the data is in on this. The data is in, and it's something that's like I said, you, you're not you're not a problem tenant. They become landmark corners, cornerstones of of the town. And you take a yeah. place like Trinidad. Trinidad's a fun place to go now. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's as I said, it there's no question about it. Ryan, I appreciate you sharing great day, uh, your sure. thoughts on it. And, Thanks for yeah, taking and, my call. Uh, you got it, man. And there's so look I said uh, normal uh, you know, this when they see this, you think, ah, they don't care anymore, right? It's just another state. No, this is something that they have been working for for decades. Uh for decades. A- and they have been uh on the forefront of trying to educate people, people like myself. Uh, trust me when I tell you that, that to realize, look, it's just a plant. You know, it's that's all it is. It's just a plant. And, and as I said to you before, uh, you know, when Ryan says it, he's right, you know, there's this some still some of this reefer madness mentality. And I saw, you know, some of the stuff that was put out by the Republican Party in New Mexico. The crime is going to go crazy. Um, you know, that's still the reefer madness mentality that exists. But ask any cop. I go back to this. Ask any cop that has worked the streets. Much rather deal with somebody that may be a, a high on, on a little cannabis versus somebody who's drunk uh, on alcohol. It, 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 sorry, that, that, that is a fact. But um, it is a new economy, uh, and it will provide, I think that's still conservative, the 11,000 jobs. I think it could be more than that. And, and so, and, and opportunities for people to work. Steve, you're on News Radio KKOB. Welcome, Steve. Hi, Darren. Thanks. Um... I'm not a pot smoker, and I knew this bill was eventually going to pass by. But I used to frequent Durango a lot. My family is, that live up there right now, and their homeless population has exploded up there. And they're having problems with a little more crime with the homeless population because now they're smoking pot in the parks. Um, my sister-in-law can't even run around in the park near the park jog at night without being catcalled. And um, when I've stayed up there. The police are getting all these homeless people who are smoking the pot out of the parking lots because they're going through cars in the hotels. Yeah, and and, and you know? let, let me just say, but let me say this to you. Uh, you know, yeah, the, will you see some of that? Of course, but we don't have adult use cannabis in New Mexico, and I would argue that we have a hell of a, a homeless problem right here now. And, well, that's and so, what I'm worried but, about. If it's going to expand, if it's going to get bigger. I don't see, but here's the thing, and, and I heard about that. And I think that goes back to what we talked about before. I think that, uh, I think that, especially Colorado, they did experience some of that because they were one of the first to, to ever even you know go uh, recreational where it was just wide open. And so I, I do think that that had something to do with it. Um, but you know this whole thing that. You know, again, you, I've heard some people talk about some of these statistics about, oh, my God, crime. It, th- that is not what they're experiencing now in Colorado. Again, they've had a little bit of time uh, to work through well, the program. I, yeah, I don't think it's violent crime up there, but I think there's theft going on, and, you know, it's, it's picking up that way. Uh, but I don't, think, but I don't think that that's cannabis. Well, it's just, the homeless population that's exploded in the parks because they've been brought there by the cannabis. I mean, my yeah. sister-in-law, my brother lives there. I mean, they're seeing this, and they're—I mean, they're—they're they're two blocks away from this park that's just exploded, and the cops just basically allow them just to hang out there, and that's what they're doing. Yeah. Well, I, Steve, so, look, I'm—I'm not gonna—I'm not gonna argue with you from the standpoint of what what your folks are seeing, and and they're—they're they're very very well maybe some of that, but let me just tell you that, and I say this all the time, you have to understand, 
There are people that are using cannabis uh, in Albuquerque and in New Mexico every single day. And they have been for quite some time. And, uh, you know, that's why I'm saying it's like when I hear all this, oh, my God, the crime, why, why don't we see it now? Why don't we see the, the crime problem associated with cannabis now? Because there are a large, large number of people in our state and in our city that do, that, that use cannabis every single day. The difference is right now they're getting the cannabis from the black market, which is feeding the cartels. And this is an opportunity for us as a state to regulate it, to make sure that it's safe, and then to capitalize on it from the standpoint of gross receipts tax. Regulate it and tax it. And that's why you're seeing so much support for this uh, as it relates to these polls that are out. And and look, uh, I'm not going to argue, because again, I know that Colorado had some problems with it, but I think it was the novelty of it as well, too. And as I said, we had the ability to learn from some of the mistakes that Colorado made early on. And that's one of the reasons why the bill is 200 pages. Not to mention that it'll be another probably 40 or 50 pages, maybe more, of regulations. And so, uh, you know, I get it. I, I'm not going to, I don't know specifically what it is about Durango's uh, with its homelessness problem. I don't know. I don't know what's driving that. I don't know if that was there prior uh, to it or not. Um, but I, but I will tell you this, um, it, it, cannabis is here. People are using it and we might as well tax it, uh, and regulate. Greg, I'm sorry. And thank you for calling back. Welcome to the show. <laughs> it's okay. So I was trying to make the point that all this stuff that you have going on in town, all this crime that's happening, um, you being a police officer, have you ever pulled somebody over and, uh, for stealing a car and said, what happened? He says, oh, it was, I was smoking cannabis. I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah, no, <laughs> I didn't. No, I that didn't. doesn't happen. And no. I'm an employee here in town. I don't smoke. But I know that these people, they either smoke or they drink or they do something. And I know the difference. And I'd rather have somebody that smokes than someone that's drinking, somebody that's on crack or crank or whatever, versus yeah. Somebody I agree, Greg. They're mellow, and I don't yeah. think you have to worry about chasing them down the street from stealing all your stuff. No, uh, Greg, I couldn't agree with you more. Like I said, I've said this many times on the show. Any, I think any police officer would tell you, I'd much rather deal with somebody uh, that had smoked a little weed than somebody who was drunk. Uh, because they're just, I mean, they get violent. They're at that, you know, I, I, I don't tell you, know exactly what I mean. That's not how people are that use cannabis. Mike, you're on news radio. KKLB. Welcome, Mike. How's it going today? I'm good. How about yourself? All right. Let me ask you something, Darren. Now, this is true. Colorado, you're not supposed to be walking around in public smoking it. You're not supposed to be in parks smoking it. You want to smoke it, stay in your house. Oh, and by the way, you're not supposed to be driving. It's like the other guy, always oh, still in a car, you got pulled over small. You shouldn't be smoking and driving it anyway. It's an imperative drug. I don't have a problem with you smoking it. Stay home. The problem is, if I go to the park, I don't want to smell it, Darren. I don't want kids to smell it. I don't want families to smell it. Smoke it in your own house. Stay there and smoke it. I don't have a problem with that. <clears throat> Another thing. What, what, uh, 
what kind of laws did they pass here with that? Did anything get implemented with this, or is it just a free for all? You can smoke it anywhere. Or no, Mike. Mike, let me finish. But Mike, before you okay, go attacking go the, of course, it's 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 two hundred pages, and you cannot yeah, smoke. I understand that. I understand that. It's you can't smoke. Okay, you can't smoke in public. Is that what you're going to say? Yes, you cannot smoke okay, in public. Okay. Okay. You know that's going to be a crock right there. And, and you know, listen, Darren. I, I see it. I see people smoking in public. Anyway, I've seen it in parks. It doesn't mean it's going to get worse. It probably will, Darren. But you want to hear a funny story? Well, it's not funny. The other day, I was in a in a drive-through. Okay. There was a guy in front of me, hacking up his lung. Smoking, you see the smoke coming out. I can smell it. Darren, twenty feet. All you had to go was from the driver window to the street. Okay. It took him about mm, forty-five seconds after he got his food to drive about maybe one mile an hour to get to that twenty-foot mark. Pulling out, and what's he pull out in front of? Pulls out in front of a bunch of traffic that had to slam on their brakes because this guy's yeah. smoking up a storm while he's driving. That is my main concern right there. That is my main concern is what, and I know people do it. The issue is how people are going to get this philosophy in their head. Hey, hey, it's legal. I don't got to worry about it now, man. Even if I'm driving, I get bust. It's not a big deal. Well, I have a feeling it's going to become a big no, deal. What is a big deal? Well, yeah, it is, it is man. Deal. It is. And you know what? One more thing, and I'll, and I'll let you go. <clears throat> You're talking about being responsible. Well, you're not responsible for your jump behind the wheel. You make stupid decisions. And I know pot doesn't make you stupid and crazy and all this stuff. I've heard it and time and time and again. I know it doesn't. It's still an imperative drug. It slows down your reaction time and this, this, and that. It's to relax you. Stay home and do it. But that, that's, that's the point I'm trying to make, man. Is. Yeah, no. And you're right. And Mike, just so you know, as I said, that's the law. It can't be smoked in public. Will people do it? Yes. You know, it's just like you said, people will drive. Yes. Just like this horrific accident that killed these two babies a couple of nights ago. Yes. That's absolutely true. Uh, because people will be irresponsible. Because people can be irresponsible. But there are uh, the, the vast, vast majority of people that use cannabis use it because they like it. It's like somebody that goes home and maybe has a glass of wine, maybe a, maybe a little whiskey uh, to relax and calm down. And, and, and they do that. And, and, and I got to tell you, we do it because prohibition didn't work. Prohibition on cannabis didn't work. Uh, the, drip, the drug war that many of us were involved in on the front lines, it didn't work. And so as... Uh, believing in individual liberty and, per, and and personal freedom and <laughs> you being responsible for yourself, I don't see why somebody would say, as a Republican, wait a second, as you know, they're sipping on a beer uh, or maybe a mixed drink, but oh my God, damned those pot smokers. That's what I'm saying. It, it prohibition didn't work. And pot is not a dangerous drug. It is not. Uh, it is just not a dangerous drug. But it's like anything. It can be abused, and there will be people that make irresponsible decisions, and they should be held accountable for them. 
But getting back to your point, Mike, no, they can't be in the park. They're not supposed to be in the park. Um, you know, and, and that would be, it would be violating the law. So, 